0: Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United At Any
1: volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noah Ayala trails? Any units available
0: in Tverio near the Kinara for an 11 year old boy holding to the water, possibly drowning? Major 7 is in the water with the boat, backup units in the Hi, welcome to another episode of Real Life Rescues. I'm Raphael. And I'm Dovi, back with you again. And we're going to talk today about a number of interesting cases that happened, I guess, even in the last week or two uh, here in Israel. We we always talk about interesting cases, but... Well, there is always a lot of interesting stuff happening. Like you said earlier today, there's there's never a dull moment.
1: Oh, yeah. We actually started <laughs> recording this a few hours ago. And there's always something happening, so we had to hit the stop button and go over again again.
0: Yes. Uh well, unfortunately, uh, as as happens, uh there was a stone throwing incident uh where a number of terrorists stoned uh, stoned an ambulance of ours. Um that was, you know, driving uh carrying out its daily routine, talking about their routine. The driver is lightly injured uh in yeah, the attack. Stones
1: coming through the front windshield and side windshield. The driver responder EMT was uh Luckily, lightly injured, but nonetheless, it really kind of pulled our attention.
0: Yeah, and we had to obviously stop recording and start dealing with that issue. Uh, Thankfully, she was uh, more emotionally traumatized and injured. It's unfortunate she was emotionally traumatized, but that was the the extent between that and the light injury on her arm. Uh, She didn't even have to go to the hospital, thankfully. She was able to treat it at a local medical clinic where she actually happens to work during the day. so these things do happen. Uh, we also previously uh, had an ambulance that was shot at. Um, that was more of a criminal incident. Uh, but, you know, these things happen and they're they're not, I don't say, necessarily unique to us. I think people in EMS get injured uh, in the line of duty in a lot of uh, places, in a lot of ways. Of course, we have to care for our own. Yeah, absolutely. So it's safety
1: first for the teams. And then obviously our psychotrauma kicks in to, to treat the members that unfortunately underwent this. But we were recording earlier about a totally different topic, um, and, and and that is, a, um, I, I, I got to be a little bit sarcastic because we are in the world of EMS, and black humor is part of our life and keeps us going. So I want to congratulate Rafael. Thank you. Thank you. On uh, participating in his first MCI That's just correct. the other day here. There was an incident of a, uh, and now moving over to the more serious note, is uh, a bus full of children was on the highway route one from Tel Aviv towards Jerusalem on one of the major interchanges there. It hit a, uh, a semi-trailer
0: uh, parked on the shoulder of the road. And no, it re- wasn't parked. It was the semi-trailer. The, the way it happened was a car made an emergency stop on the highway and stopped really, really quickly. So the truck, which was behind that car in order to avoid hitting the car, an 18 wheeler uh, stopped. And the second trailer of that truck uh, swung out into the other lane And the bus that was coming behind the truck hit, uh, tried to swerve out of the way of that trailer and ended up hitting it, uh, not directly in front of it, but on the the front corner of the bus. From the front corner and halfway through the bus, basically. And uh, thankfully, because of the driver's intervention and the bus didn't hit head on with the trailer itself, um, most of the people on the bus were only lightly injured, suffering bumps and bruises. Uh, And of course, you know, the emotional shock of what was going on, but there was the girl sitting in the front corner seat uh that was in critical condition and had to be transported immediately critically
1: injured call comes in as a um a massive accident between a a fully fully loaded bus and a, a semi trailer um obviously activating mci protocol yeah um and and deploying all all available resources uh mind you this was not in the center of a city so it was between a number of cities on the highway with a, an average distance of about a 20-minute drive um, for any nearest by ambulance station.
0: Correct. And interestingly enough, uh, because United States has the network of volunteers, we had ambulances that were being in the middle of driving between cities that were able to respond first and fastest. Um, I actually left Jerusalem. I was in Jerusalem on the highway in Jerusalem coming uh, to to my office. And then I, on the way, I got the call and I said, nope, not going to the office today. MCI protocol... I took off and went, knowing that I probably wasn't going to be the first responder providing EMS service, but I'm also, because I'm a herd of the psychotrauma unit, I was able to arrive and, and provide treatment for, for the people on the scene. And the person I treated the most on the scene was actually the driver of the bus. And incidentally, or not
1: incidentally, the whole method of operation of United Hatsala is using those community-based responders um, and the random volunteers that happen to be en route, locating everyone by their... Uh, geographical location and dispatching them. We had um, coincidentally our chief paramedic of the organization that happened to be on the way to Jerusalem about half a mile out of the interchange was on scene within literally, I think it was four minutes. Um, He was on scene already uh, giving us an initial assessment of, uh, of one critically injured and about 40 um, moderately and lightly injured uh, uh, children in the accident and they, uh, giving us a, a, a rapid assessment of the situation while other uh, resources were deployed ambulances, responders from the region, and obviously ambulances from the
0: government company, from the government organization as well. Now, we were, we were lucky in this instance because, like you said, it happened pretty much on the bridge over an interchange. So people were able to access from both directions. Most time, if an ex- accident happens on a highway, in a stretch of highway, you have to go to the next exit. 5, 10 kilometers, or in, sorry, we're, we're talking to a U.S. audience here, so... Uh, miles. miles, um, Anywhere between, you know, 3 to 6 miles. That should be a topic for another day about
1: moving <laughs> to the metric system, so that paramedics <laughs> and EMTs can uh, communicate globally.
0: There you go. Um, so, anywhere from 3 to 6 miles, going to next uh, exit. So, this this was not the case. People were able to access from both sides of the exit and get there faster. Um, I'm coming from Jerusalem. I actually stopped my, my ambicycle right before the exit, hopped over the Highway, which had uh, crossed the three lanes of traffic, which were all backed up because everyone was rubbernecking in that direction and then uh, hopped over the divider and began treating people. Now, this particular interchange also has a little bit of a wooded area next to it, which was uh, extremely useful because as of the aside from the critically injured uh, student who was transported very quickly to the hospital, I think the ambulance got her out of there within the first three or four minutes. Um, Like you said, right after our chief paramedic was there, she was taken off the bus, transported, and and sent away to the hospital. Everyone else who was lightly injured or suffering from emotional trauma, the first protocol or first step of the treatment of treating someone from emotional trauma is remove them from the scene. So they got everyone off the bus. There was a wooded area right next to the interchange, and we actually took all the students away from the bus, away from the scene of the accident, put them in, in those wooded areas in order to... Uh, treat them there in the scene, and then we divided the responders up by groups based on on where each of the kids were sitting.
1: Yeah, so so the psychotrauma component is very important. And, but I'll let me backtrack just a little bit. Um, and uh, we'll back uh, it up a notch. We'll back it, back up, a it notch. up a notch. I <laughs> haven't said that in a while. Well, there we go. Uh, but I I think the, the 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 bottom line is that all patients uh, victims of the accident were transported. A, away from the scene, anyone who needed to be evacuated to the hospital was evacuated within 20 minutes. Yeah. Meaning, after 20 minutes, there was not one patient on scene, which I think is 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 an amazing uh, response, especially when we're talking about a distance uh, to hospitals of about, I would say, 20 miles to any nearest hospital, 20-25 miles to any nearest hospital. Um, and getting all victims off scene within 20 minutes, I think, is phenomenal. The quick triage on scene by scene commander uh, that that took control of the of the incident there, uh, corresponding and and coordinating with the other emergency services on scene, doing rapid triage and transport away from there within 20 minutes. The incident, as far as victims, was a, was sealed, and then we were able to actually, uh, um, well, simultaneously, but. But then give all of our attention to the psychotrauma component. Well,
0: it was actually all simultaneous because the, the all of the people who were transported were the people who needed the psychotrauma help. So actually we were I arrived 15 minutes after the incident happened because I've traveled I drove faster on that ambicycle on it uh, was a Tuesday morning than I ever have in the past. Um I won't even say the speed I was going. Don't say. <laughs> I wouldn't say the speed I was going. Um the funny thing was other cars on the road were actually traveling the same speed as me. And I wasn't passing anybody. we were all going the same speed, which I was like, how are you going this fast? Um, That's because it's Israeli drivers. It's Israeli drivers. They're like, there you oh, go. It's like driving it's in an open Italy. Road. Uh, it's an open road. We can we can do, you know, 90 miles an hour. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so people were actually passing me. I'm lights and sirens going and people are passing. Didn't, it didn't make sense. It just means you need a stronger motorcycle. There you go. <laughs> I have to ask for that next time. The um, but I got there in fifteen minutes. Uh, and I had five minutes uh to treat the treat the driver mainly. I was I was cast with treating the driver of the bus. Uh, other responders were treating students, some were te- treating the teachers and the the staff that were there. Um, but yeah, by twenty minutes, everyone was gone. The ambulances kept coming and transporting as people. They were taking two, three at a time. Uh, light injuries. And once they had enough of a team, they hopped on the ambulances and went. Our ambulances transported about almost half, actually.
1: I think that that it has a lot to do with first of all our experience in israel in general and especially looking at this past uh, year um that we really focused on training all of our teams countrywide on mci that's because we i think we spoke about this in previous episodes and that was that in 2021 in 2021 we had um two major three major mass casualty incidents here the mount meron uh, crowd crush the give um, Givadzev Zev uh, scaffolding collapse and 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 a and a bus that uh, turned over um, uh, up north in Israel and, and which was also f- a result st- of
0: an accident very similar to this one
1: exactly and and we spent twenty twenty two as the primary goal of the CME program for the year was focusing on an MCI on a, on a triage staging um a, a scene command and uh, communications and it really proved itself in All this right. incident.
0: One of the MCI training drills that I attended was actually uh, this exact scenario, more or less. A bus was involved in an accident carrying a, a school or 50 or so students, and we had to treat them, get them off the bus, triage, uh, treat at the time, obviously both physical injuries and psychological, and then get them off and transported as, as quickly as possible. Uh, I can definitely say that the training helped me in the situation. I knew more or less exactly what to do. I went to the incident commander, said, okay, I'm here as psychotrauma, where am I going? What are the needs? Pointed me to the direction of the driver, started treating them. There's already medical personnel dealing with them as well. Uh, and the training just really right away kicked in. And we saw it across the board. We saw it on communications. We saw it on
1: scene. It was simply unbelievable to see that the the training program that we implemented throughout the year really paid off.
0: Yeah, And everyone went down to the level of doing, um, uh, I guess, debriefs at the end <laughs> where each... Uh, the incident commander went around um, and and debriefed with each team individually, uh, and said, "Okay, what did your team do? Who did you see? Who did you treat? Where did you go?" Got a you know a debrief from every responder at the scene, so that we can study the thing and learn how to, of course, make our operations better for next time. Um, so it was it was it was a good learning experience for me, but thankfully I had the training under my belt already, and I was able to. Kicking into autopilot more or less once I got there, and thankfully the
1: result wasn't as fatal as a, as potentially it could have been. So that was mm-hmm.
0: a, a, a a happy ending as happy can get. It certainly was our, our partner upstairs. Uh, you know, couple couple floors above us in the sky was was definitely helping us out with that one because <laughs> um, you just don't know. Like this this very much could have been a, a huge uh tragedy with lots of fatalities and and really you know god decided otherwise that but it day. was putting the god. guys
1: it was putting the teams to the test and they uh su- it, it was very successful yeah and moving right
0: along um so we have another another interesting story which occurred i guess uh, a little bit before that one um and uh, maybe maybe you could find a term for this though with the, with the uh years of experience Uh, This is one of those calls where you go to the call expecting it to be one thing, and it's something completely different.
1: Oh, I think the term is that when you hear horseshoes running, you automatically think of a horse, but an EMS, as we know, as a paramedic and and, and over 30 years in the field, you got to remember one small thing. It doesn't have to be a
0: horse. It could be a zebra. We (laughs) call these zebras. Zebras. Okay, so this was my zebra from from a few weeks back. Uh, we'll paint the picture. Uh, Saturday morning, 4 a.m. Um, I'm asleep, and uh, my radio goes off. Down the street, there's a you know person suffering an anaphylactic reaction. Um, I'm, uh, we think I we I grab my motorcycle jacket, my helmet, throw it on. Inside my motorcycle jacket, I always keep my EpiPen, so it's like really. Uh, accessible in case uh, specifically for anaphylactic reactions. Drive over there. It's a couple buildings down from my house. I'm the first responder in the scene. I get inside and there's a, a young man who's hooked up to an oxygen tank already. Uh, normal color and starts screaming at me, do you have any magnesium? Start give, please give me magnesium. Now in Israel, the the protocols are that you know EMTs or EMTB level is not allowed to give medications. Such as magnesium. Besides, EpiPen. EpiPen and aspirin. That's and it. sodium chloride IV right. saline. <laughs> so we're allowed to give IVs, but we're not allowed to give Narcan, which is an interesting thing. Yeah. Um. Because oh, thankfully, that's not so necessary here. We haven't really come come across too many situations like that.
1: Yeah. It's actually actually we'll make a different episode about the opioid um eh, epidemic, but it's not as great here in Israel as it is in the states. But it, it, it actually now they're they're starting to talk about it. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about another another episode. Back, back to your zebra. Back raphael. to my zebra.
0: Um, we get to the, and this fellow starts saying, "Please give me magnesium." And I I took a second and I, I you know understood like okay, why is he asking for magnesium here? Seems he had shortness of breath. There's no signs of an anaphylactic reaction whatsoever. So I start you know I see he's already on oxygen. Um, he doesn't look cyanotic either. He does not look cyanotic in any way. There's no rash. There's no bumps. There's no, nothing, nothing happening there. Uh, his throat wasn't closing up. It just seemed he, he had a little bit of shortness of breath. And I started asking the parents, "What? what's the background? And I started taking, trying to get an oral history for the parents. And the parents were very excited, uh, to put it mildly. Anxious. anxious. Anxious, worried, excited, sure. I'll try and keep this on the positive. Um, and what ended up happening is the parents said, why aren't you treating him? Give him something. Give him something. Give him some medication. Give him this." That. I said, listen, you know, he's on oxygen. He's at shortness of breath. He's already receiving the treatment that I can do. What, his vital signs. His vital signs were fine. Perfect. Like a- his blood pressure was okay. His pulse was okay. His pulse was fast. His pulse was a little fast, but not terribly fast. And, you know, blood pressure didn't good. everything good pulse ox, you know was 98 and i was like what what's the story and so some somebody got to the point why aren't you shooting my son why aren't you shooting my son and the father uh basically said you're good for nothing and then punched me um literally literally punched me uh at which point i took a step back and there was another volunteer that had just arrived and that volunteer sat down next to the son i told the volunteer i said listen uh you know please keep checking his pulse make sure that he's okay and then his pulse is fine. And she stays there with a hand on his wrist, checking the pulse. I took a step back. I decided I was going to, because the father had, you know, essentially struck me. I was like, not going to get in the father's way at that point. I went to the mother and I said, what's the situation? Mother's like, also, why aren't right, you treating my son? You're not doing anything. Um, so she essentially told me that he was allergic to um, optogen, which is uh, a, medic- a pain relief medic- medication. And by accident, they gave him optalgen earlier in the day, so that's why they thought it was an anaphylactic reaction. But there's no signs of anaphylaxis here. There's a shortness of breath, uh, and as the paramedic came in and more more teams came in, the ambulance, the ambulance finally team arrived. Up, yeah. uh, the, the father started asking, "Call a doctor, call a specific doctor who lived down the street." Remember, it's four thirty in the morning at this point. And we're we're trying to figure out what's exactly going on. This is call the specific doctor. I said I don't have the doctor's number. I don't know who he is. So they said you call the phone. And I told the father. I gave him the task to go call the call the doctor. He called the doctor. Um, that the par- the paramedic from the ambulance team basically say you know what what does this child have? And the mother at some point a few minutes later said oh he also suffers from asthma. Um, so we automatically think. The automatically think. Was he ever intubated? Um, um, I mean,
1: let's think. That might be the that reason for the, mag- for the magnesium. magnesium.
0: That connected with the magnesium that the kid was thinking he was having an uh, an asthmatic attack, um, but he was not showing signs of an. Asthmatic he was not attack. showing any
1: signs of an asthmatic attack. And but we not- all know, we all know that asthmatic patients um, that have been intubated in the past and will say, "I've been intubated in the past," can crash really fast.
0: Yeah. So the paramedic was also a little bit unsure of what to do exactly. He opened an IV line uh, and started getting a little bit of uh, fluids, medication, was trying to figure out exactly what to do, adrenaline. The doctor shows up and says, I know what the situation is, sedate him. <laughs> at which point, we're all trying to figure out what. Okay, everybody is gazes going on. at the doctor. You like, see a, do you young, a young
1: guy here with perfect vital signs. Um, Just a little bit of shortness of breath and the doctor is telling no, it was a lot of him. shortness of breath.
0: I forgot to mention at some point the kid his eyes rolled back and he collapsed on the couch and at some point he started looking cyanotic uh, and then the, the doctor was like sedate him and we're like he's already not so conscious. He's not with us anymore. He's in some sort of attack and at some point I was thinking maybe and this is epilepsy vital signs. and still holding good vital signs. At some point I was thinking this is epilepsy maybe, but there was no seizure. There was no foaming, nothing. The doctor's like, we've seen this before sedate him. And the paramedic said, are you sure this does not <laughs> sound like product? I was like, trust me, sedate him. Well, doctor's orders, doctor's orders. He's the highest ranking, uh, you know, uh, EMS pr- responder in the room. So, okay. Gave him a sedative. Suddenly, in an instant, the kid's color comes back to normal. It goes from cyanotic to regular skin tone, starts breathing normally, and slowly but surely wakes up, and we all sort of sit there with our jaws on the floor, and we're like, what just happened? Yeah, looking
1: cyanotic, pulse ox of 98, Yeah, sedated, and he comes back to life.
0: And he comes back, and we. It, it took him a while to come back, and he, the doctor asked him, okay, what's the story? How are you doing? He's like, I'm a little groggy. I'm tired, and this and that at the, the paramedic had no idea what happened what just happened none it's of us like, really were what? sure what the situation was um the father really called it with his doctor issue of uh the doctor had responded to this scenario three or four times with this particular kid and they even got to the level where they did intubate him uh erroneously because that's not what his body needed at the time And the doctor told us afterwards, he pulled us aside afterwards, and he said, what just happened? After the kid was coming back to himself and, you know, put on the the stretcher and being brought into the ambulance, went to the doctor and said, what was this? And he said, it's some sort of psychosomatic uh, hyperventilation scenario where... Very extreme. Because he was... Very, very extreme. Because he was exposed to an allergen, he thought he was having an anaphylactic reaction. His body went into shock. And essentially got itself so worked up that it eventually had to shut down in order to come back to normal. Basically, doctor said, hit the reset button. And that's what happened. <laughs> we we kind of defibrillated the kid. We didn't really defibrillate him, but <laughs> No, you just hit the reset button. We hit the reset button, and the, the doctor called it, and the kid came back to normal. He went to the hospital. The paramedic, after the paramedic came back later in the day, he told us, he said, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Kid, by the time he got to the hospital, was totally fine. No symptoms of anything. We go out to the hospital. They checked him out for all the vital signs, checked out. They send him right back home. And it's as if nothing happened. And this teaches you a file. When you hear horse shoes, you can think of a horse, but always but also, remember the Zebras. It could be zebras. It could be zebras. So we never really know where we're going. And I came in, I literally had my EpiPen out when I got that call. We got, when I got that call, I put my pen. I walked in with EpiPen and I, I looked at the kid and I just put it right down on the table. I'm like, I don't think we're going to need that.
1: That goes back maybe <laughs> to previous episodes of let's not make assumptions.
0: Yes. Don't make assumptions. Remember that
1: episode we spoke about not making assumptions. Absolutely. Always make sure to check the patient before you listen to, 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 to be so uh, tunnel visioned into what the dispatcher told you. Very much so.
0: And the truth is, when I, when I came in, I looked at the kid and I was like, this seems like, you know, a case of HY or epilepsy or some sort of shock. Asma didn't really click because I didn't know the history at the time. But obviously, when the mother said it, that made sense with the magnesium. It sort of clicked with that. Um, but yeah, this was definitely one of the weirder zebras I think I've ever I've ever come up across. So
1: quite a uh, quite an uh, irregular episode, maybe a little bit from starting to record in the morning to rock throwing on our ambulances, injury to stop of stop recording <laughs> injury injury of a of a uh, of a uh, responder um, through MCIs.
0: And uh finalizing with uh, zebras. Uh, it's definitely like we said, there's there's no dull moment in EMS. never a dull moment. So uh thank you so much for listening. We'll We'll catch you again next episode. Great being with you guys. All the best.